0: Hello, Rinkrats. Today is Saturday, May 1st, 2021, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Colorado Hockey Rinkcast. Today I'm joined by our staff writer, Marie Sexton, and we discuss all things Colorado Eagles so far in the 2021 season. Let's check it out.
1: I've got one time.
0: And on this rainy Tuesday, I've got Miss Marie Sexton with us, our Colorado Eagles correspondent for the Rink Colorado. Marie, how are you? Good. All right. Well, I thought we could jump into a couple of Eagles stats really quickly, talk about some individual season stats this year, um, and then we can get to a bunch of questions. Um, I know people are dying to hear about Alex Newhook and some of the new Eagles. I know you're thrilled to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, but yeah, let's kind of jump in. Um Eagles uh today are thirteen, ten, two and one, and that's fourth in the Pacific Division. Um in their in their last ten, they're six, three, oh and one. Um leading the team in points is TJ Tynan, eight goals, twenty one assists. That's kind of par for the course for him. He's he's great yeah. in the AHL.
1: But, and in way fewer games than most of the others, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> Um, points in his 12 of his last 13 games. I mean, he's just lighting it up. He's finding the scoring sheet almost every night. Um, good for sixth in the AHL in points. Phenomenal. Um, Kiefer Sherwood, we've seen him got called, called up recently, uh, 10 goals, six assists in 16 games, a point per game player, um, five power play goals. Really impressive. It's probably why he got his, his call up. Yeah. Um, Salomaki and other, uh, pick up from, uh, from the off season. I was really impressed with his plus minus of plus eight. He's got two goals and seven assists in 19 games this year. And then the newcomer, um, Boston college Eagle, uh, let's see. I think he was drafted in Bo Byram's year. So three years ago, uh, three goals, two assists in five games, a point per game. New is definitely showing he's, uh, that first round pick that the Avs took and are, uh, really highly anticipated. So, Um, Marie, which which one of these four players has impressed you the most this year? I I know Tynan's kind of just always been a leader in points, but uh, of these four guys, who's caught your eye lately?
1: Well, let's leave out Newhook for a moment because he just came in, right? But out of the the guys that we had all season, um, Sherwood just was crazy. You know, he had a few games with us and then he was on the taxi squad and then he came back down. He only played seven games. Um, and he had eight goals and four assists in those seven games. And, and then they, they pull him back up and put him on the taxi squad and, um, where he sat for a couple of weeks. So I'm glad that he's, he's getting some playing time. Um, it almost, it's so weird to me that he plays so well. And then it's almost like punishment that you're getting pulled out and just benched on the taxi squad. I'm sure that's not how they look at it, but (laughs) it's kind of how it feels, um, And then Newhook definitely has been impressive. Um, You know, I'm always skeptical with all the hype uh, when new players are coming in. Um, But he's so far is kind of living up to it. So.
0: So, yeah, that's jumping kind of into our first question of the night. And and that's what what is your scouting report on the new kids? First of all, let's start with Alex Newhook and then um, equally as impressive uh, Sampo Ranta.
1: Yeah, Sampo Ranta, he's he's big and he plays hard and he just drives the net and he's I mean, you notice him, you know, his he is just a, a kind of a dominating presence out there. Um, Alex Newhook is uh, I mean, I almost think they have pretty different styles. Alex Newhook is very um it's more about, you know, maneuvering the puck, being fast and agile. Um, the other thing I noticed about Newhook, and maybe this is kind of weird, but is uh defensively he's really good at keeping the puck in the zone um there's been several plays that he's made where he's kind of back you know more like on the blue line like a defenseman would be and lunges across and manages to keep the puck in the zone when it looks like it's going out and in fact this last game that the eagles played um they were running five forwards for their power play and they were having new hook kind of up there on the blue line, running the power play instead of a defenseman. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Interesting. Um, was he yeah. shooting from up there or kind of just facilitating?
1: He will shoot a little bit from up there, but that's not really his sweet spot <laughs> where his goals are coming from. Those are kind of coming from more in the circle, but um, yeah. So that's been, and, and Sampo Ranta is also, they're really fun to watch. Um, you know, maybe I was, kind of tainted, you know, back when the Eagles were in the ECHL, we'd get these guys at the end of the season, you know, like, um, Julia Nantel was one and Travis Barron was one and JC Bodan might've been one and, um, Nicholas Malosh maybe at one time. And, but, you know, they'd come in at the end of the season and and in the ECHL, they'd, they'd really kind of make a pretty big splash most of the time coming in late in the season like that. And then we moved up to the AHL and we had that first season and it was Shane Bowers and Nick Henry coming in and there was a lot of hype around them and especially around Shane Bowers and they just didn't make any kind of big splash. And in fact, you could kind of tell that they were both a little bit overwhelmed by the, by the speed of the game in the AHL. And then of course the very next season was last year where it, it got canceled before we got that far. Um, So this year, it's interesting then to get um, New Hook and Sampo Ranta and even um, Nate Klerman is looking pretty impressive. And so, yeah, they're, they might uh, make me have to rethink my skepticism of the hype, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of really young, talented um, prospects coming into the Eagles, and there are not a lot of spots at the Avalanche level. I know they're trying people out. Um in that bottom six, it's kind of weird for somebody like Martin Kaut to be getting top six minutes um, in in Loveland and then go to the Avs, and he's a, a fourth-line player. It's just kind of a tale of two cities there. But kind of going back to Sampo Ranta, I know he's he's pretty big. 6'2", 190. Um, I, I follow a lot of people in college hockey, and they're, for some reason, the University of Minnesota, um, they always tweeted out, and I always just catch Sampo Ranta highlights. And they would always just be him just kind of doing power moves and just getting to the greasy areas and scoring goals. And this year, in 31 games, he had 31 points, 19 goals, 12 assists. Wow. Um, This might be, and we could be talking about this in a year or two from now, the dark horse third round pick that uh, Sackick hits on. Um, from 2018 where it's like wow you know how could have the how could this player fall to the third round but you know as as you've seen him in the last few games I guess he's played a little more than a handful um two goals two assists at the AHL level does he seem to fit
1: oh yeah absolutely um you would not have any reason to think that he was the new guy
0: <laughs> interesting yeah I know some players get there and after playing in college and it's just like you said, they're kind of the deer in the headlights, but
1: yes, um, but we, not neither. None of these three new guys, um, new hook Ranta or Clerman, I don't think have, have shown that much.
0: Yeah. And they're kind of running out of spots on the, on the blue line there, uh, especially with the signing of Mr. Justin Baron, uh, today. Right. so that kind of leads us into our, um, I'm going to skip one question, but, uh, let's talk about him for a second. Um, how can Justin Barron help, help the Eagles right now on the blue line? I know he's a young guy. He spent a few years in Halifax in the, um, QMJHL with the moose head where Nathan McKinnon played his minor league hockey, um, amateur hockey. But, uh, yeah, what, what, what can Justin Barron do? You know, he's kind of, you know, when he was drafted, he was known for his, um, elite skating, um, and puck puck moving skills. And, you know, are
1: they lacking in that right now on the blue line um, with the Eagles? Well, yeah, the blue definitely in defense. We are not deep. Um, you know, it's funny because I see people, you know, and talking about the Avs saying, oh, we're so deep on the blue line. And well, yeah, because all of the Eagles defensemen are sitting on the taxi squad right now. You know, we've um, Timmins, Renoff, Middleton, Burroughs, of course, Patterson's gone now. And then McDonald has been up there playing. And uh, there's there's not a lot left on the Eagles. We've had Ian Scheid, who's um, a rookie. He's had a fantastic rookie season, although he was injured for uh, six or five, six, seven games there. Um, that last game they played was his first game back. Um, Matt Abt, Peter Tishke, Kevin Davis is actually a guy who's really stepped up on defense, and he was running the power play for a while there. And, you know, he's he's kind of been one of those right-on-the-line ECHL, e- AHL guys for the past couple of years. And so the fact that... Uh, for a little bit there, he was basically our top defenseman. Um, you know, kind of tells you that it's been a little thin there. And so to get in Nate Clerman and then Justin Barron might really help things a lot. That's definitely kind of been a, a weak point there. Um, lots of defensive turnovers, so. How about yeah. uh, Dennis Gilbert? How's he doing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't. I don't see him being terrible. I don't see him being great. Um, he kind of tends to disappear on the ice for me a lot, which maybe for a defenseman is okay. You know, (laughs) um, I don't see him making tons of huge mistakes. Um, I don't know, but you're not necessarily super excited to see him, you know, in your top pairing either, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think, I think he kind of Projects out as maybe like a four, five, six. Um, and yeah. it's it's nice to have guys that come in, just eat minutes and get off the ice, which is which is nice. But you definitely don't want to have them turning the puck over, or you know, not being able to transition out of their own zone. And I know Gilbert came from the Blackhawks system and came over in the Zadorov uh, trade, but I I had kind of high expectations for him. You know, he's not afraid to drop the gloves. He can hit. He can skate. He's kind of a big guy, but yeah, it seems like he can't really break the NHL either, but he's still really young. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that a uh, Clerman has another Notre Dame defenseman to bond with down there.
1: Right. Right. <laughs>
0: um, so even though they're the Eagles aren't that deep at the, uh, on the blue line right now, they're doing something right. Cause they've won five of the last seven games. Um, any particular reason why you you've seen the, the success? Cause they've been relatively inconsistent the last couple months.
1: Right. Well, okay. so a big thing is uh, the power play, um, which maybe we'll talk about in a minute here. But um, part of it also, I think, is just who they were playing. We kind of went through a little stretch there. Let's see. They had four games against Texas and they were. They won three of those and then a pair against Bakersfield that they split and then three against Tucson, and they won two of those. And um, Tucson and Texas just seem to be teams that uh, the Eagles kind of have their number. You know, there's there's always those teams that you do well against and then teams that you don't. And um, for whatever reason, let's see, I don't think I wrote down the um, the all-time records. But in this season, against Texas, the Eagles are 6-1-0-1. And against Tucson, they're 4-1-1-0. And um, if you look back, um, you know what, they're all three years or two and a half or whatever in the AHL, they just have a really good record against Tucson. Um, I don't know. So I think that's part of it that just for some reason we match up well against those two teams. Uh, But the other thing is the special teams. Um, You know, we changed, they lost um, Tobler. Ryan Tobler was the special teams coach and, they parted ways was the way that they worded it somewhere around March 12th, March 13th. And then, um, there wasn't really, they didn't announce the specific coach until, um, like the 17th and I should have, I already forgot his name. Do you remember? Uh, He was from the apps. Anyway, he has come in and, it's made a huge difference. The Eagles went from dead last in the league on the power play to fifth in the league on the power play. Um, There was a little stretch there up until we came up against Tucson, where just in that stretch, since we changed special teams coaches, the power play was running at 44%, um, which is crazy, right? <laughs> so now Tucson had a really good penalty kill, so they dropped down a little bit, but they're still... Um, let's see, since changing coaches, they're at 39% on the power play, whereas before they were at about 7%. So, wow. yeah, it makes a huge difference, you know, when your power play can actually go out there and score. I mean, it, I, you know, I hate to speak ill of Ryan Tobler, but when he was running it, I mean, we'd get a power play and you felt like, you know, can we decline that penalty? Because it never helped. It never did us any good. We, you know, and now it's kind of crazy as an Eagles fan to, um, you know, get excited about a power play. Like we really might, you know, score on this. So um, that's been fun. And they're actually now first in the league on the penalty kill as well. So combine those two things, winning those special teams battles. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the wins start coming
0: I have a couple things there. So first of all, how often do you fire a coach mid-season? I, I I've seen so many teams in the NHL where their power play just stinks, and they're good teams, and they still don't make any changes, and <laughs> and they still don't change the play. The, it's right. it's like you guys run the same thing, and I mean everybody has tape on it. You guys all are like standing in the same spots doing the same shimmy move and, you know, just not right. really making they know
1: exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> right.
0: right. So that so that's one thing. And, and the other thing is, I think it's crazy that the Eagles can change personnel like that and then on a dime go from zero to hero um, right. all the way to the top. And then, you know, now you have two top top five uh, special teams units. That's a, I mean, does that make you believe that they can make a strong push towards the end of the season here?
1: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, definitely more so than if you had asked me, you know, back a month ago, (laughs) Um, you know, part of the the power play surge there was also um, when Connor Timmons was down because he's really good at running that power play. And then um, Sherwood had, I think you had up there, how many power play goals, five power play goals, Um, you know, so that was a big help too. But yeah, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) So that's another thing you bring up and that's kind of going into our next question. The abs have made a lot of call-ups recently. And you know, this season's been weird with this taxi squad thing. Yeah. It's making it probably really hard to get chemistry at the AHL level and, and, you know, concurrently at the ECHL level. Right. With people moving up and down and up and down and back and forth. Have you noticed, um, you know, any of those inconsistencies affecting the team? Like what's, what's been the constant for, for the Eagles this year? Have players been able to rely on one single line that's been really good or have they just been (laughs) juggling?
1: It's just all over the place. The lineup changes. I mean, almost nightly if they have the same lineup, two games in a row, it's an anomaly. Um, I mean, even one line to be the same is from one game to another. It just doesn't happen very much. Um, you know, I, I keep track of the lineup from game to game to game, and it's constantly shifting and changing. And um, so, you know, it's hard to say, like, um, if there, there's there's no what am I trying to say? There's, I'm not speaking well. There's no consistency to even compare it to, if that makes sense. The entire season has been this way. The entire season has been the lineups constantly changing. Even last season, the lineups were constantly changing uh, without the taxi squad. So you just don't get in the AHL the same kind of consistency that you see in the NHL where the guys, you know, play on the same line unless somebody gets injured or, you know, it just doesn't happen. It's just normal that it's like the salad shooter lineup every single night. That's <laughs> just part of being an AHL team. I think
0: that's interesting. I mean, have you noticed because of COVID that teams are trying specific things? Have you noticed any trends in the AHL where it's maybe a little bit unconventional where they maybe pull the goalie like Patrick Watt did with five minutes to go? Like, are there, <laughs> are, are they pushing the limits on anything just to check things out? Cause it's kind of a throwaway year
1: or. Right, I have not noticed anything like that, but, um, you know, I'd be interested to hear, I just watched the Eagles games, you know, I'd be interested to hear from people, um, like CC Hockley, who, you know, watches a bunch of different AHL games, um, might have seen things like that. But, uh, it's really, I mean, we're, we're missing a lot of our veterans because they're on the taxi squad. But other than that, it's kind of like same old thing in the AHL, you know, the changing lines all the time. Playing the same team three, four times in a row, the AHL did that already to cut down on traveling costs. So in some ways, it's it's not a huge change, except that we don't have those veteran players um, who would normally kind of be the the anchor, I guess, or who you might rely on for the scoring.
0: I didn't have this question on my list, but I know Keaton Middleton was part of the San Jose Barracuda, I think, last year or the the year before and he's Mm -hmm. a huge defenseman Um, watching him at the abs. It was really fun seeing him clear the net just because he was so violent and like (laughs) this guy was like mixing it up with everybody. And it's like, man, you know, it's really nice to have somebody like that on your team. Um, Right. Is it weird seeing him in an Eagles uniform, knowing that this guy was tormenting our forwards for a year or two? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, there's always those weird things like that, you know, that uh, where people change teams. I mean, I always wonder about uh, Hunter Miska. You know, we we took him from Tucson and uh, I don't even know that he was their starter. And he came here and, you know, he's been really great for the Eagles. And I swear he plays his best games always against Tucson. Um, I've always wanted to ask him If it's different for him going out and facing them, because he sure seems to stand on his head when it's against his former team. So,
0: yeah, he's had a a couple really good outings since um, getting a little bit more PT at that level. But one person uh, who's—I don't even know where this guy came from. He fell out of the sky. Parker Gehagen. Yeah. Two and O in three games. He's got a nine three nine save percentage. Two point oh nine goals against who is Parker Gehagen and (laughs) where did he come from? What planet is this guy from?
1: Right. He was actually with um, the army, with the army team. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but um, he had suited up for one game for the Eagles way back in um, the 17, 18 season as an e-bug actually. And uh, it was kind of cool at the time because it was like he had come from the you know, the military base in, I want to say in Kansas, I might have that wrong. And I apologize if I do, but, um, and uh, you know, it was kind of cool. They made a big deal about how he was getting this chance to kind of come. And even though it's just an, an e-bug, you know, chances are he's not going to get to play, but it was a fun thing and everybody was excited for him. And then, yeah, now he's been down there playing. So I, last year he, so he, was still in the army, 1718. Um, the next year, 1819, he didn't play at all. And then 1920, he played games in the SPHL, the AHL and the ECHL. <laughs> and then this year had four games with the Grizzlies and is suddenly our number two. So, um, but he's done great. So, you know, you're always a little nervous when it's a goalie that you've only seen a couple of times, but so far, um, he's killing it. So
0: (laughs) yeah, this guy has not played a lot of hockey in the last four years.
1: No, no. And he definitely, you know, sometimes you see him really, it's kind of the same thing that I see people say about Hunter Miska when he goes up to the NHL, that you kind of see him flailing about a lot and, but he makes the save. So it's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Johansson. Um, At the abs with the abs, I just feel like he's never really comfortable. You know, he makes that one desperation save and like can't recover fast enough. So he's just back and forth constantly and wailing around. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. (laughs) Um, Let's let's focus on uh, a player that you like to talk about. Martin Kaut. (laughs) Um, You've been raving about him in our group chat on Twitter about how awesome he is and how great uh, he's been performing this year and how much of a rock star he is. But at the at the NHL level, it, you know, he seems a little lost. And last year he had a cup of coffee up with the Avs and everybody was really excited. He had this like, you know, uh, I don't know how, how to say it, but this uh
1: he made a big splash kind of, I mean, he scored what, a couple of goals up there and
0: yeah. And and they were in like really crazy fashion too. And he was having the, I think the, the thing with him is he had a really great um, quote after the game. Like all his interviews were amazing <laughs> Yeah, and everybody was really excited about him, but this year it's just like, he can't really find the puck. Um, so right. what's the difference between what he's doing in the A and why he can't find his game in the NHL?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because, um, yeah this year so he was out for the first half of the season with an injury and then he came in and it was like he's not even the same player as what we've seen in the last couple of years he was just being so aggressive on the puck that is the number one thing that he was just putting himself into every play and i mean they had him in on the on the pk which is not something he had been doing previously and if you look at the um the article I wrote for the rink that was Martin Cow has arrived was the title. And I, I posted um, some video in there of him on the penalty kill. And he's just, you know, dogging guys and and right on their heels and stealing the puck. And he eats up like 40 seconds of, of penalty kill time, just himself, you know, not letting them enter the zone. And that's just an aggression that we had not seen from him before. And I think also that he's really learned to kind of use his size and not let guys, push him around you know and so I was excited for him to get up with the abs what I think and you know I don't know but to me watching him with the abs these last couple of games he looked to me like he was um, kind of trying to defer to his line mates and I'm you know I might be projecting here but, you know, that he's on the line with, um, it was Kadri and JT Confer I think, that that last game last night that he started out with. And it seemed like he was kind of trying to let them, you know, run the line. And, and he's kind of there in case they need him. But he wasn't injecting himself into the play, which is what we were seeing him do for the Eagles this year. That's when the points started coming. And... Um, I thought it was interesting in the third period because Bednar switched up the lines a little bit and moved Sherwood up. So it was Sherwood and Count and Caudry. And all of a sudden, I felt like we saw Count start to be more aggressive again. Like like maybe he was a little bit, and again, I'm probably projecting, but like maybe he was a little bit intimidated, you know, thinking, oh, I'm the newbie, I need to hang back. But then once it was Sherwood on his wing on the other side, you know, that then he was like, oh. I can get up there and and be aggressive. Um, I don't know. I I think it'll be interesting to see uh, these next couple of games if they keep him in the lineup and kind of play with who his, the other wing is, you know, what will happen there because I know he can do it. And you know, you know, as well as anybody, if you had asked me this last year, I would have said, no, I don't know that he can do it. But this year, I really think he can. Um, So I hope he finds it. I hope he can just, you know, they always talk about that they need to get in there and play their game. Right. And I feel like when he stepped up to the NHL this year, he's not playing that game that he'd been playing in the AHL. He's not playing that game that got him the call up. You know, if he can get back to doing that, um, I think people will be excited about what he can do.
0: It's nice to hear that you flipped the script on uh, on Martin Kout because I know everybody kind of got a bad taste in their mouth when he was at training camp last year and just wasn't in good physical shape and it was just weird. Um, he's an interesting player. He's such a great personality, um, yeah. and you just want to, you just want to root for him, right? He's just one of those players where absolutely you just want Shoot. him to succeed. And um, I think he's another player who kind of suffers from. You're a first round pick. You should be doing better. Um, And there's so many first round picks. I mean, I I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I I was thinking about writing an article about whether Joe Sackick has done enough in the avalanches. win now window, you know, to push them to the Stanley Cup.
1: That's my dog. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No worries and um i i kind of asked myself that and he kind of refuses to um trade his first round picks oh right and um i just wonder you know it's is it time for for joe i mean he missed the opportunity this year but he's so good at drafting and finding these first round picks and and developing and getting them up it's just they have these this plethora of draft picks and prospects um and they continue to be successful in making the playoffs, so he's doing everything right and for the long game. But I don't know. It's just um, guys like Kout. I just, <laughs> I just wish the best for, and uh, I, I hope that he can can find a place on you know somewhere on the abs eventually. But I think he's definitely Absolutely. proven proven in the AHL that he's um, worth a, an NHL call up. But one person I did want to bring up, I got a few more for you, um, is Alex fourteen. Um, he came over and he's played over 20 games with the Eagles. He's supposed to be this kind of gritty, fast, young guy, um, get in the corners, you know, really good puck possession. And he's done a whole lot of nothing. And I'm I'm a little disappointed and I just don't understand why he's not effective in the Eagle system um, with his speed.
1: You know, actually, I'm not sure either. The thing about Fortan is he is super noticeable when he is on the ice I mean he he reminds me of Logan O'Connor honestly he is fast and he is everywhere and he is always involved and he's always you know you see him he's he is in the corners and the that first couple of games I remember saying oh I'm gonna like this kid you know he looks great and and I still notice him and I still and but I don't know. The goals aren't coming. I don't know what it is. I kind of wish that I did know because I still feel like he's really noticeable. I've been saying for like a month or two now, you know, he's due, he's due. He is, he is doing the work. He's getting up there. He's getting involved in the play, but it's not happening. I don't really know. Now he was injured for a little bit. Um, Let me look at my thing here. So he was out with an injury from about the middle of February to the middle of March. So that doesn't help. But still, yeah, I'm not sure why the productivity isn't, you know, why it's not showing up on the on the stat sheet because he really does seem to be involved in the play a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that.
0: <laughs> and the, the NHL is such a weird uh You know, they have such a weird way of who gets a call up and who doesn't, because you have a guy like Liam O'Brien, who has been playing pretty much every night on the fourth line for the abs. And I understand he brings a certain skill set to the abs, some grit, some hitting, can throw the hands, whatever. Meanwhile, you have TJ Tynan in the AHL, (laughs) sixth in points, and he just can't get there and succeed. It's, it's so bizarre. And it just makes me think back to 14. It's like, look, if you're not scoring goals, you have to be providing something to the team, whether that's PK, whether that's blocking shots or playing great defense or something intangible to to get you to say you, you have value on the team. Are you value add? And it's just weird with 14 you know with his skill set he's a great well-rounded player but maybe he just doesn't do anything you know individually uh really well just he doesn't do one thing that great yeah and i'm kind of sad that he hasn't put it together um with the eagles
1: Yep. Yeah, i agree i i really like i said he started out strong it felt like he was really going to be you know a, a big part of the team and now you know, he's sort of fallen down to fourth line a lot. I do still notice him. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they keep him around or not.
0: Kind of on that note, are you surprised that Liam O'Brien's been getting pro minutes? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess, <laughs> Is he I, just a yeah. plug
0: or... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I always I always say, you know, the coaches have forgotten more about hockey than I've ever learned. And so you know, I trust that the various development coaches that they know what they're looking for and they know exactly, you know, and Jared Benner had even said, I think that he specifically wanted a right handed shot and a, you know, um, so, I mean, I guess they know what they're looking for, but uh, yeah, if you had asked me, I would not have said Liam O'Brien was going to be the guy.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder what are the analytics people, you know, saying in the ears of some of the coaches what are the the stats that are impacting um who they're putting in the lineup and when they're putting him in the lineup because you know that there's some advanced stats nerd uh, in, up in the front office saying uh, Liam O'Brien gives him the best chance on the fourth line. <laughs> right. And um, I just want to know what that is, because um, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm always a big fan of having somebody in the lineup who's kind of an uh, in, intimidator and somebody who can um, stand up for the teammates and pretty much just, hey, if, if you're going to cross the line, then this is kind of what's going to happen. And I'm not really for fighting, but I am for kind of setting the. um setting things straight and, and self-policing because right. there's just been a lot of that with this avalanche team. And it's, it's unfortunate that there's just so many players, skilled players on the team and they just get run and nothing happens. And it's just not how it used to be. But we also don't really give that back. You know, zodarov has gone. Um, right. Ian Cole's gone. All the guys who really laid out a lot of big hits, it's just not their style, but um, I hope that they can kind of dig in and find some, some players who can really help in that department, but, um, a couple more for you. So, so far this season, who do you think's taken the biggest step? And, and Karen also chimed in on Twitter and she asked the question, which players from the
1: Eagles do you see stepping into the abs next season? Oh, next. Well, so this year who's taken the biggest step, I mean, uh, I would say Martin count, you know, like we talked about, I, I think he looks like a completely different player than he was last year. Um, The other one, I don't know if you can even count this uh, because he came out, he's a rookie, but um, Jean-Luc foodie. I mean, wow. (laughs) Um, He's just amazing. And uh Boy, I wish we could keep him, (laughs) but he's going to have to go back to the OHL. Um, But he's amazing. Um, It's going to be a real bummer to lose him. But then next season, well, obviously, Cout, you're assuming O'Connor's going to be up there permanently. He's pretty much been up there permanently this year. So I don't know about McDonald. I mean, Newhook, it's it's still a little bit too early to tell. You know, he's had a good outing these first few games, but um, all but one of his points, or at least all but one of his goals so far, have been on the power play. Um, so it might be a little too soon. I could see him getting a, if he doesn't start out on the abs next year, certainly being top of the list for a call-up. Okay. And, yeah, foodie too if we got to keep him, but we don't, so... <laughs> Who would you call up right now? Right now? You know, they have the people that I would have said. um, Sure wouldn't count. Um, And, and, you know, you mentioned Tynan, and Tynan is really great at making plays in the AHL. Um, I don't know that it ever quite transfers over the couple of times he's had games in the NHL. But And then the other person I would have said would be McDonald, who, again, has been playing for the Avs for the last most of the season now. So
0: I don't think we've had a chance to talk about Jacob McDonald. Um, At least on, on the podcast, that is one of the most interesting stories I've seen on the avalanche in the last five years. Um,
1: He's, he's so much fun to watch. And of course, you know, last season with us, with the Eagles, um, he played about half the season as a forward. And, they had a ton of score. That's why he was uh, first or second in the league amongst defensemen in scoring. But, you know, he played half the year as a forward. So <laughs> it was kind of like cheating. But
0: it's just bizarre to me that of all of the talent evaluators in the NHL and all, all of the sister leagues, that y- somebody couldn't figure out that this guy can play. Like, right. Uh, I mean, his IQ is through the roof um he's a really smart player he may not have all the physical attributes and the speed and the skill but i always notice his gap control he never really gets beat that badly and there are a lot of fast guys in the nhl so <laughs> you really need to watch yourself but right. he's just so impressive in just hey he's getting chased by one or two guys oh i'm gonna make this little move and it's it's out of the zone like those little <laughs> things that kind of sam Girard is so good at um, right. just uh being so elusive he's got that and I wish he didn't get hurt because they could barely pull him out of the lineup. But, you know, why do you, why do you think that he's been successful um, in your opinion?
1: I don't, you know, I, I honestly think it kind of goes back to the coaching staff, you know, knowing what they're looking for. And this is something, you know, that I think um, fans and kind of the people who, you know, watch the prospects, I think that they tend to think of the AHL team as, you know, you have your your top couple of prospects, you have your count and your bowers, and then everybody else is just sort of these expendable plug-in players, you know. But I don't think that's how the coaches see it. Now, obviously, I've never sat down and talked with coaches about it, but I don't think they see it that way. I think they see the entire team, the entire AHL team as, you know, potential. And they've obviously gone out and picked up some of these guys, like McDonald, like Ian Scheid, who was undrafted, but had an incredible rookie season so far with us until he had his little injury. Um, I mean, Logan O'Connor too, you know, also undrafted, but they obviously picked him out. Um, So, you know, I think it kind of goes back to the, I I guess the scouts and the development staff seeing these guys that they know they can develop. I mean, uh, Ryan Graves is another example that, you know, when, He came in and played with the Eagles. Some in those first couple of call-ups, everybody was complaining. Oh, it shouldn't be this guy. Who is he? You know, he's just some AHL journeyman who's never done anything. We should be calling up Nicholas Malosh. You know, well, would you trade Graves for Malosh now? Probably (laughs) not. (laughs) So I think it just shows that you know the coaches know what they're looking for, and they seem to be really good at spotting those kind of I don't know the Talent that's been missed somehow,
0: and the scouting you have to attribute to as well. I yeah, mean,
1: yeah absolutely, really,
0: really deep scouting. And I think that maybe Sackick knows hey, if I want to be good in two to three years or you know, three to five years, I'm gonna have the big guys, right? The Landis Gogs, the McKinnon's, um, Cal McCarr. Now, those are your money makers, but you have it's all really about hitting um, on the guys who. Are in the bottom six, or in the right. you know bottom pairs for defense. Like you have to find reliability in places you normally wouldn't. And I think Sec has been so good at that. And I feel like the Eagles coaching staff doesn't get enough credit for developing. I think that that's kind of a misconception of a lot of Avalanche fans is you know oh, the Eagles can't develop. Well, yeah, they can. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think that's yeah. pretty evident um, of all the players that have been called up. I mean. There are some guys I remember um, in the. I know St. Louis is really good about drafting, but in the Chicago system, where they would they had first round picks that would never see the NHL, and they would just stay down there in the AHL, never get a shot, and they would just go to another team and just be a waste. And why why wouldn't you at least give those players a shot or focus on developing them into players that you know into the role that you want, like you're talking about? I need a player here who has this potential to give me X amount of goals, um, X amount of shots and provide a service in that role, which is probably what most scouts are trying to do. They're trying to fill the role, not get the the player. Right. Right. Yes. So it's really interesting to see the Eagles promoting so many people within the system. And and I don't know, are you, do you have a lot of visibility to what the Grizzlies do um, to support the Eagles? Is it similar?
1: I have not paid enough attention to that. Um, I mean, I know, you know, we're taking guys from them. We're sending guys down, um, you know, Ty Lewis and Kevin Davis. And, um, you know, that's where Gehagen had been. Um, but beyond that, I can't really speak to, you know, how the development is, is crossing over. <laughs> Did that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I wonder, I know he's only played a couple games, but why not give Gahegan a shot at the show? Why not? You know, like, it would be incredible if this guy went from the Grizzlies to the Eagles and then <laughs> got a shot with the Avalanche. I mean, is coming off IR um, from the from the COVID list, and, you know, you got Dubnik, but, you know, this guy's 27. Just throw him in there. Who cares? I mean, Johansson was... <laughs> a mess I was nervous just watching him in that right but if this guy's doing so well like hey why not I mean just there's uh so many so many goalies at that AHL level and you're giving them all a shot and they're all kind of in between but just ride the hot hand why not
1: right it's been uh it's been interesting and of course yeah once presumably once Grubauer is healthy again then Werner comes back down off the taxi squad and so then that you know, changes the goalie, um, discussion, but yeah.
0: Everybody just wants stability, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just not something you get a lot of in the AHL, you know, as soon as you you get a guy who's just killing it and doing well, he gets taken away. That's kind of how it goes. So. Or he gets traded. ECHL too. (laughs) I mean, you know, even before we moved to the AHL, ECHL same way, as soon as a guy starts playing really well, he gets snatched away and moved up to the AHL team. So. Um,
0: we'll have to catch up with you at least one more time before the end of the season. Cause I, I don't think the Eagles are done yet. I think they could uh, maybe go on a nice little run here and make things interesting.
1: That'd be great. I hope so. I mean, they do seem to be trending in the right direction for sure.
0: Cool. Well, Hey, thanks so much for your time, Marie. It's always a pleasure and um, we'll talk soon.
1: All right. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Thank you for downloading and supporting us. You can follow Marie on Twitter at Marie Sexton, and you can read all of her articles at the-rink.com. A very special thanks to our sponsors, Puck Hockey. With the promo code, The Rink, you can save 10% on all purchases at puckhockey.com. That's P U C K H C K Y.com. And until next episode, see you on The Rink.